grave. Ain't no grave. Hallelujah, right? I love what what uh, Wayne said, that uh, we are just passing through. This is not home. This is a 80-year or 75-year or 100-year mission assignment that we're on. And then we get to go back to see Daddy and uh, spend eternity with him. I'm in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40, that's page 808 in my Bible. You need any help getting there? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. If you don't have a Bible, we'd be happy to provide you with one. Our youth have a bunch of Bibles, and we, we use our Bibles on youth night, just so you know. If you don't bring your Bible, you don't get candy. <laughs> That's just the bottom line. <coughs> Do what? That's right. If you bring your pancreas, you've got to bring your Bible with you. That's good. Chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her heart service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. So the book of Isaiah, I want to say all the books in the Bible are my favorite every time I talk about one of them, but I really like the book of Isaiah. It's just, it's a powerful verse. It talks a lot about Jesus, predicts his coming, predicts the Holy Spirit, a lot of other things. So how many chapters are in, in the book of Isaiah? Just as math, we're going to do a little math to begin with before we get started. Okay, this won't be on the final exam, so you don't have to memorize this. But it's really cool if you're a math person. Any math people? Wow, <clears throat> only one. Okay, God bless you. So how many books are in the Bible? 66. How many chapters are in Isaiah? Whoa, how many books are in the Old Testament? How many books in the New Testament? What's three times nine? Whoa, look at that. 39 books in the Old Testament, 3 times 9 equals 27 books in the New Testament. That's pretty cool, right? How many, how many sections are there in Isaiah? I'll give you a hint. Two. Two. Very good, very good. <laughs> Two sections. Guess how many chapters are in the first section? 39. Uh. Whoa, how many are in the... Is that not cool or what? Is that the coolest thing, right? And so we start the 27 in chapter 40 because 1 through 39 is the first section. Isn't that interesting? Don't you just love math? Okay. I don't either, but I thought I would try to encourage this morning. And that kind of, I know, right? <clears throat> comfort, comfort my people. Now, the word comfort in Hebrew... It's not exactly like we see it today. It means give strength to, give strength to, more than come along and, 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 and have mercy on, although that's a part of it, but it's give strength to. So Isaiah is given a prophecy here, and he's saying give strength, give strength, give comfort to my people. And Jesus in chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 16 says, I send you the comforter to bring you comfort, right? Right? Does that make sense? A, a baker brings you bread. A banker brings you money. Holy Spirit, the comforter, brings you comfort. He brings you strength. Strength for what? Well, in Isaiah's time, when this chapter was written, <clears throat> the, 
There was wars and rumors of wars. Does that sound familiar? There was upheaval across the lands. All the kings of every country were trying to knock off all the other kings of all the other countries. There was civil unrest. There was uh, immorality run amok through everything. Even at the point of religion, God had gotten tired of the religion of the people. He said, I detest, I detest your sacrifices. I, I detest the way you worship me. You see, a lot of the Jewish people, the church members we would call them today, had quit coming to church. And they were staying home and goofing off and they weren't gathering together, right? And so God was saying, what's, what's wrong with that? I've got a place for you to gather. I'd like to meet with you there. Then the ones who were gathering were divided up into two camps, and that was the remnant group that really loved God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and those who were just religious who wanted to come and show off what they could sacrifice on the altar, right? They had a show going on, and God said, I detest the show. And so all this was going on, and Isaiah came on the scene, and he had a word from the Lord, and this is what the book's about. So the first 39 chapters is Isaiah describing what was going on and the people were dealing with this and that and, and God's judgment on sin. And he gets to chapter 40, he says, but in spite of all that, I've taken care of the sin. I've taken care of the sin. And I want to bring you comfort. I want to bring you strength. Now, look at this verse. It says, comfort my people, speak them tenderly, tenderly. We often think that God speaks to us harshly, Right? With a two-by-four, remember that, with a two-by-four, and we go to Romans 2, 4. What does Romans 2, 4 say? It's God's kindness that leads us towards repentance. It's not his anger. It says, speak to them tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins. Now, that sounds pretty harsh. One sin, two punishments. Isn't that what it sounds like? And that's probably the way you or I have interpreted it for years, right? So let's put this into practical sense. Teenagers, you can, you, can, you can understand this. So teenagers, you get in trouble, right? You sass back to your parents and whatever, and they, they give you a punishment or a discipline. They take your phone away for three whole minutes. <laughs> Torture, right? Right? They take your phone away. So... If sassing back to your parents gets you three minutes of no phone, then paying double means six minutes with no phones. Oh, my gosh. What are we going to do? Six minutes without a phone, right? That's what it sounds like. It sounds like you get grounded for a week if you've done something wrong, and instead you get double, you get grounded for two weeks. Does that sound fair? My mom used to say, just keep on talking. I'll add another week. <clears throat> and so I did. Guess what? Another week, right? <laughs> and then I just had to have the last word, right? Another week. <laughs> Another week, bam. And you're up to a month already, right? You could do this all day. <laughs> exactly. Spoken like a mom. I could do this all day. Five weeks, six weeks, seven weeks. But mom, eight weeks. Isn't that what it sounds like? But that's not what it means. It's, it's beautiful what it means. It's beautiful. This thing about doubling says the Lord from the Lord's hand had doubled all of their sins so get our situation card back out again we've used this several times back in the day when you went bankrupt you owed everybody 
and everybody and anybody a bunch of money and you went completely bankrupt the person that you owed the money to or the judge in the town would write out what you owed everybody on a piece of parchment and they would come and stick that on your door so that everybody that walked by could shame you there ain't no shame right? we just saying that but they would shame you by what you owed everybody and it would be listed there for everybody to see everything you've done wrong financially right however if someone else came along and paid back what you owed the judge or the creditor would come and double the bill and put it on the door <coughs> then paid double which meant the sin had been paid someone else paid for your financial misdealings <clears throat> and in the spiritual sense someone paid for your sins and covered the shame is that not beautiful God is saying comfort comfort my people in spite of all they've done in spite of walking away from religion in spite of going to the church and acting like fools right instead of all the ways they've rebelled against me and chosen other people and run after other countries to help them and ask other kings to help them and did everything they could to not obey my laws I've paid it in full I've covered their shame I've covered their sin double that's why Paul could say in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 there's therefore now no condemnation in Christ Jesus isn't that beautiful God is saying through Isaiah in spite of all of your sins I've got something for it and that's Jesus Christ it's a prediction of Christ to come God says speak to them tenderly and tell them this let them know that I have no shame on them I don't want them to feel ashamed I want to rescue them from their shame and set them free he says a voice of one calling in the desert prepare the way for the Lord make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God every valley shall be raised up and every mountain and hill made low the rough ground shall be level and the rugged places plain and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all mankind together will see it for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it now let me ask you a question would you level out the dirt in front of a king who was coming to beat the snot out of you would you get excited about that? Oh, he's coming. He's going to beat the snot out of me for my sins. Let's line up and shout hallelujah. Would you rush out and do that? We've been taught that. We've been taught that in spite of our sin and our sinfulness and our sinful ways and thought that God has a big two-by-four waiting to beat us on the road. When he's saying, no, no, tell them tenderly, I, I paid for this. And I really want to see them. When God's coming with good news, I want to level the path out, don't you? Don't you want to make the way plain so he can come and bring good news to you? 
put it in really practical terms, if if the the sweepstake guy, you know, had the twenty million dollar check for the big thing, you know, you see it on TV, and he's walking up to your door, and you got all kind of stuff on the sidewalk and you know, children's toys and the old car that's broke down with no wheels on it and all this stuff's in the way. And he said, I, I can't get to your house with your twenty million dollar check. What would you do? Man, you'd be jacking that car up out of the place. You'd be throwing that thing off like this. You wouldn't need no help. You wouldn't need a tow truck. You'd be throwing tires left and right and kids' toys everywhere. You'd be picking up the Legos off the street, right? So he wouldn't step on them, right? Come on now, right? You'd get excited about somebody with a 20. If you don't get excited about somebody coming with you with a $20 million check, you tell them to come to my house. I'll show you some excitement, right? Woo-hoo! We've got the king of glory. We've got the king of glory coming up to my house and knocking on the door and saying, hey, if anybody's there and open the door, I will come into him and absolutely have a meal with him. We ought to be clearing the way for that every day. We ought to clear the sin out of our life every day. Come have a meal with me, Jesus. I was eating my, my waffle this morning with honey on it, blueberry waffle, sticking the toaster, you know, ding got whole grains in it so I'm eating I'm eating healthy right and I'm sitting I said Jesus I want to invite you to have a meal with me this morning just just come have a meal with me this morning waffles and honey we ought to be clearing the path for that we ought to be clearing all the sin out of our life that we can because he's bringing good news don't be afraid of him bringing you something he's bringing good news he may even bring the honey. He may even bring the waffle. <coughs> Thinking about a line from Shrek. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sit down, have some, tell some guy stories, eat some waffles. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain shall be made low. The rough ground shall be level, and the rugged places plain. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then Isaiah goes through this talk about how great God is, how powerful he is. It says, A voice cries out and says, What shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flower fails because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up to the high mountains. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. And if we're ever living in the in last day's times like it looks like we are, it feels that way with all the mess that's going on. There's never been a better time as Isaiah is saying, is to lift up our voice and shout and not be afraid to tell people that Jesus wants to have a meal with them. The greatest time in the world that you've ever lived is today to tell people about Jesus. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a tyrant and gathers his lambs and beats them when they don't do right. Is that what your version says? What? Wait a minute. Oh, oh, I misread. He tends his flock like a shepherd. That's beautiful. 
He gathers his lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Wow. Wow. Not the kind of God we've been taught, right? This is Old Testament God right here. He comes tenderly. He gathers his lambs in his arms. Then he says, who has measured the world? He said, in spite of him carrying us in his arms, like, like little lambs, he said, in spite of that, look how big God is. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on scales, the hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him and been his counselor? God, let me give you some advice. That shirt does not match those pants. Isn't that, isn't that about what it amounts to when we try to help tell God what to do? When he's held the dust of the earth in a basket. Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge and showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are guarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Now, for us, the islands would be <coughs> continents. Think in terms of continents. He's speaking of geographic regions. 75% of the earth is water. The rest of it's islands. We're all on an island. We call it the continent, but it's still an island surrounded by water. He weighs them as though they were dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all the nations are nothing. They are guarded, regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. To him then, to whom then will you compare God? What image will you compare him to? As for an idol, a craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A man too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. He looks for a skilled craftsman to set up an idol that will, that will not topple. Do you not know and have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He, God, sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of the world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And the whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls each one of them by name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. So Isaiah, for the first part of this chapter, paints us a picture of a tender God who cares for us and loves us. And then for the second part of this chapter, he paints this enormous, ginormous God who can do everything and anything and has done everything and anything. And he says, who can compare to him? Who can compare to how big God is? And then the last part, he comes back down, he brings it back down to you and I. And he says, he says he gives strength to the weary 
and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But those who hope in the Lord, and we'll talk about that for just a minute, and then we'll close. But those who hope in the Lord will have their strength renewed. Wayne talked about his struggles for this week. His family members, his dearest friend, struggling with illnesses. And some of you have struggled with that this week and last week and this year. We struggle with things. And we grow weary. We grow weary. We grow weary with dealing with our parents. No matter what age we are, we grow weary dealing with our children no matter what age we are. There's just weariness in life, weariness in work and weariness and just thinking about life and death and money and taxes and all those things but God comes to say in the midst of your weariness I can bring you strength comfort you comfort you my people strengthen my people and I want you to know that those who hope in the Lord will be strengthened so what does it mean to hope four things four things what does it mean to hope the first thing in in the process of hoping in the Lord so that we can be renewed. The first thing is is to humble yourself. Is to humble yourself. Now we often think of the word humble ourselves as getting down the ground, putting our face in the dirt and crying out to God, I'm I'm a worm, I'm worthless, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not what it means. That's not what it means at all. I believe the essence of being humble before God is understanding who you are in God's sight. Truly understanding who you are in God's sight. For the person with lowest self-esteem, you may think you are worthless. <coughs> Listen, that's wrong thinking. To humble yourself, you need to bring yourself up from feeling that way, to see yourself the way God sees you. He sees you as a tender lamb that he wants to carry in his arms. The God of the universe who made everything we see, Sue, wants to carry you in his arms. That's powerful. That's powerful. The person who has, is full of pride, right? Low self-esteem, pride, needs to humble themselves and see themselves the way that God really is. They didn't create the universe. Next time somebody gets on their high horse and starts talking about just say, wait, hold on a second. Did you create the universe? Did I miss something here? Did you create the universe and I'm supposed to be bowing down to you? I'm sorry. Did I miss something? person full of pride needs to humble themselves and see themselves as the way God sees them. You know how God sees a prideful person? A little lamb in his arms. A little lamb he's carrying in his arms. The same way he sees somebody with low self-esteem, he sees them as a little lamb carrying in his arms. That's why Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. That's why David cried out, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. All we are like sheep, the Bible says. We need to humble ourselves and see ourselves the way God sees us. It says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, humble yourself in the sight of God, and in due time, he will what? Lift you up. That's what Peter said. So the first thing in hoping in the Lord, if you want to renew your strength and hope in the Lord, the first thing is to humble yourself. See yourself the way God sees you. That's the essence of humility, to see yourself exactly the way God sees you. As a lamb, he's carrying in his arms. The second thing is, 
obey his teachings obey his teachings Jesus gave us the great the great commission in Matthew chapter 28 and he said and teach them to obey and teach them to obey my commands that's that's the assignment all of us have is to teach people to obey the commands you have to teach them the command and then teach them to obey the command right we're to obey the teachings of Jesus if we want to have this hope in the Lord then we need to obey the teachings of Jesus and it's real simple just read it start with Matthew go to Mark Luke and John that's what Jesus said Matthew Mark Luke and John read it obey his teaching the third thing is H-O-P the third thing is is to praise his name we need to offer a sacrifice of praise in this chapter it says verse 9 it says you who bring good tidings to Zion Go up on a high mountain. You who bring his tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. We are called to offer praise back to God. As a matter of fact, it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 15, verse 13, it says we are to offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Now, what's a sacrifice? A sacrifice is something you give up. Right? A sacrifice is something you give up. You have it. It's in your hand. And you sacrifice it and give it away. Whether you sacrifice a car to someone or a shovel to someone. or We sacrifice things, right? We give things away. God is saying that we're to offer a sacrifice of praise to him. And if we're going to hope in the Lord, part of that hoping, part of that waiting process is to praise his name and not give up on praising his name. <laughs> Not give up on shouting it out. When we were having praise time practice this morning, uh, Emily was saying that she was practicing this song, Ain't No Gray, right? And she was driving in her car, and she pulls up to this red light, and she's got it on, you know, the, the radio playing, and she's singing along with it. And she said, I'm not sure what the people beside me thought. <laughs> praise Jesus, right? They need to look at it and say, well, there goes one of those Christians again. Singing about Jesus in the car. I mean, we ought to be rocking it out in the car. And if you can't, even if you can't sing, and by the way, some of you can't, but even if you can't <laughs> sing, we need to be rocking it out in the car, right? And when somebody looks at it and say, Jesus loves me, I'm singing about it, right? Be a witness. <coughs> this is part of hoping in the Lord is praising his name. And, you know, we got the names of God all over the building here, so you can read them, 100 names, whatever it is. Pick one of them out for the week. Say, I'm just going to praise God based on this name. If you don't know what it means, look it up. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for anybody in America to not be able to look up a word on their iPhone, their iPad, their iScooter, whatever you got, you can look it up. Just type it in, and what does this mean? And it will come up and tell you what it means. And then just praise God for that name all week long. I may praise God this week because my God likes to eat honey. The land flowing with milk and honey. He gave them an entire land flowing with milk and honey. He must love honey, right? And then E, we should humble ourselves. We should obey his teaching. We should praise his name. And we should just absolutely enjoy his presence. Will God ever leave you or forsake you? No. 
No matter what's going on in your life, God will never leave you nor forsake you, no matter what it is. Listen, you may not overcome it in this life. Let's be honest. You may not overcome it, whatever it is in this life, but God will never leave you nor forsake you, even if you don't overcome what it is in your life. What kind of God would that be? He's got a little lamb, and the little lamb has a limp. And he was born with that limp, and he never gets over that limp. And on the final judgment, God says, you've had a limp all your life. You didn't get over it. I'm sorry you can't come in. What kind of God would that be? When we read right here, he says, he brings him and holds him tenderly in his arms. You know what he says, that little lamb with a limp? He said, let me carry you for a while. That looks like a lot of work. Right? Right? When that little lamb gets to heaven, guess what happens to that little limp? <laughs> Boom. Out of here. History. Nada. Zilch. Gone. But between now and then, he may have that limp. And God's not mad at him. And God's not going to put shame on him because he had a limp. And if you've got a limp in your life, just know God's not mad. He's not angry. He's not upset. And if you can't fix it and a doctor can't fix it, it's okay. Because in the end, he will fix it. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. And all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. But you know what? The king can. And the king will put it all back together again. They that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar with wings of eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not be if your hope is in anything else you're in trouble but if your hope is in the Lord it's going to work out it's going to be okay one day it will all be okay limp and all it will all be okay that's his promise between now and then he's carrying you tenderly in his arms I love that meme on Facebook where it said you know, the old, the old thing, you have the, the footprints in the sand and you got two sets of footprints and you have one set of footprints and the end of it is, well, God was carrying you through the difficult time, right? I love the, the different slant on that. It had footprints, one set of footprints, and beside it had skid marks. <laughs> God had to drag you along, right? <laughs> Kicking and screaming, I'm not going this way, I'm not going, come on, this is the best for you. I don't want to go that way, it's the best for you. I feel like that sometimes in my life. Sometimes it's one set of footprints, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's kicking and screaming. But I know in the end, I'm not going to have a limp. And neither are you, if you're trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day. Oh, God, I'm so thankful that you carry us tenderly in your arms, that you are a shepherd. There's absolutely nothing we can do that will bring shame on you or you put shame on us, Father. You're not.